This is an ABC podcast. Hey, just a warning. This podcast contains some adult language. So if you've got little ears around, beware. Hello, are you talking to me? Yes. How are you, me? Hello, Yoshko. Hello. Hello. Nice to hear your voice. <laughs> you sound so clear. Oh, that's good. All right, we're going to start. We're recording, all right? You ready? Yes, I am. Okay, Yoshko. Do you think I take enough care of my skin? No, Yumi, I don't think so. Let's say you're a smart, hard-working, loyal woman. But do you ever get the feeling that in spite of all of this, the way that you look is judged as more important than anything else? It's like we're born with an allocation of youth and beauty and then our job, our primary job, is to preserve it for as long as we can. And my mum, well, she can lay it on pretty thick. You seem to spend too much time in the sun at the beaches. That is definitely not good for your skin. Even you apply lots of sun cream. And I, I wear a hat. Oh, no. Hat. See, you still get sun rays. So I'm always worrying about it. I like to think my mum, Yoshko, is my biggest fan. But even she's telling me... I need to look younger. So I always give you good sun cream and uh, moisturiser. Do you use it? Yeah, I do. I think I was four years old when you first gave me face cream. Oh, my goodness. As, as young as that? Yeah. Okay. That's how big your obsession with looking young is. Oh, my goodness. Where we used to be sold a jar of hope in the form of expensive moisturising cream, now the options are bigger, costlier and more invasive. The pressure to look young and beautiful is everywhere, not just from our mums. It's at work where looking youthful helps your career. It's in the media where everyone is just ridiculously good looking. It's in the dating world where gamified dating apps put your looks above everything else. But it's even closer than this. It's in our peer groups, among our friends. It's even, dare I say, looking back at us from the mirror. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about our obsession with youth. So let's have a look. So you have you have beautiful bones, you have excellent cheekbones. Dr. Ritu Gupta is at the front line of women's fears of getting old. She trained for 18 years to become a dermatologist and in her work performs hundreds of cosmetic procedures every year. I'm asking Dr Gupta what procedures she thinks would improve have, my face. Beautiful bones. You have excellent cheekbones. Um, you still have good cheek fat pads, what are called the malar fat pads. Mm -hmm. Let me just look a little bit more at you. you. You're starting to get a little bit of volume loss here just I below know. the lips. Yeah. yeah. That is a really common sign of ageing and it happens even... 25, 27. So a little bit of filler there might yep. help. Mm -hmm. In terms of lines when your face is at rest, you've just got very faint lines across your forehead and that could be treated with some muscle relaxing injections. That's about it. And these ones here between my brows? They're not very obvious. You don't frown much compared to most mothers. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, look, you could, have, you could have a little bit of Botox there. Now, I haven't had anything done yet, but not through lack of opportunity. Through my work, I get offered free Botox and injectables quite often. 
And I can see why. I fit perfectly into that age where you cross over from having dewy youthful skin to having desiccated middle-aged skin. Yikes. But it's happening in women much younger than me. Women in their 20s are being told procedures like Botox are preventative medicine, a bit like taking vitamin C before you get a cold. But Dr Gupta says that while Botox can prevent wrinkles, it can also lead to other problems like muscle thinning and hollowing, which actually ages the face. So down the track, it could mean you'll need fillers to help correct the mess that you've created. She says it essentially keeps the cosmetic industry in business, which is why ethical practitioners are really important. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm 27 and I have had Botox in my forehead. So a lot of people actually don't even know that I've had it. A lot of my other girlfriends, um, they get it all the way up um, to the top of their forehead so they can't even raise their eyebrows. And that is definitely a little bit intense um, for me at times. Do you guys look weird when you go out together? <laughs> no, no. I think that people have this opinion that that Botox makes you look like a completely different person. We don't look like, you know, we're talking to each other and our faces aren't moving and and there's no expression or anything like that. Do you feel like a bit of a bad feminist getting Botox so young? Oh, a hundred percent. When my friend was getting it all the time when she was so young, I always thought it was really silly and, you know, a reflection of her own self confidence. Like I felt, you know, I felt really badly about it um, and had a really strong opinion about it. Uh, both of my friends, it's worth noting, um, in my really close friendship group have also had um, plastic surgery. They've had both have breast augmentations, which again, I've always had quite a strong opinion on, but after they both have had that surgery, they are so much more confident in themselves. And for me, that's what it's about. If it makes you feel more confident, then go for it. You shouldn't do it for any other reason other than your own, the, the way you feel personally. You shouldn't be doing it to ascribe to a particular, you know, way to look or anything like that or, or pressures from other people. The Kardashians, Bachelor contestants and a range of social media influencers have really normalised cosmetic procedures. And some people like Anna are happy to talk about it because it makes them feel good and that's completely their right. My name's Pauline. I'm 46 years old. I did have one line in between my eyebrows that was bothering me and decided to have some Botox and filler to fix it up. It was not something that I ever thought I would do. Being here on this podcast today is way out of my comfort zone. I haven't told my husband that I was coming in here today. So that's a, another little surprise that he might get. Pauline is not a reality TV contestant. She's not on the corporate ladder. She's not even dating. She's a stay-at-home mother with three kids. I went to my doctor and my GP and spoke to him and said, look, what can I do about this? And he said to me, well, you need to get Botox. And I said really? And he said, yes, you need to get Botox if that's what you want to do, if you want to get rid of that line. I think I had two or three treatments and it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do, um, which was getting rid of the line between my eyebrows. So we discussed it and she was the one who suggested a filler. Pauline's not the only one turning to Botox and fillers to change her appearance. Australians spend around $1 billion on cosmetic procedures every year. And I'm guessing it's something you've seen in your life too. In the last 10 years, the Botox and filler industry has gone from niche to mainstream. Those two procedures are now responsible for 80% of all cosmetic work. And they're also getting cheaper. But the decision to talk about it openly is complicated. 
Because as women, we seem to learn early that we're supposed to look young, but it's also supposed to be effortless. And this pressure, I think, can create a sense of shame, which means getting work done, i.e. making the effort, isn't always openly discussed. It's still a bit of a taboo topic. A lot of people don't talk about things that they might be doing, these sort of treatments on the side. And I hadn't really told anybody at all about it. One friend of mine did notice we were in a dark room and she said, I hadn't seen her for a little while, and she said, she came over and said to me, what have you done? And I said, what? I haven't done anything. I haven't even been on the dance floor. And she said, no, what have you done to your face? And I said, nothing. She said, don't lie. And I said, oh, okay, fine. So we went to the bathroom and I told her. And she said, it looks fantastic. You can't even tell. And I said, well, you could tell. And she said, I could tell because I haven't seen you for a while and I knew you looked different. I don't know. It's not really something that you talk about, I think, still. You know, as you get older, you do care about your appearance, but there are some things that you care about less. I don't dye my hair, for example, at all. I haven't dyed my hair for a very long time. And being 46 years old, I have got plenty of grey hair. I think that this was a sort of a more effective way of making a difference to my appearance that was something that was bothering me. The hair doesn't bother me. The grey hairs don't bother me. But there are other subtle things that you can make, you know, changes to your appearance, whether it's through makeup or whether it's through something like the dermal fillers or the Botox or whatever you can make yourself feel a little bit better and you don't have to age disgracefully or age gracefully. You can sort of do it however you want to do it. Pauline says she did feel like a bad feminist getting work done, that she was buying into this discourse that we have to look young to have value. And it's this that can cause a secrecy around it. But if getting something done to make you look younger makes you feel good, you should totally feel free to do it, right? There is a bit of a mental tussle, but I think that you need to be comfortable in the decisions that you make for yourself. It's interesting about the people that are prepared to talk about it and why they've done it as well, because mine was not for, you know, to to get a job or to be, you know, ready for an audition or something like that. It was just, I'm just a mum. I don't work. You know, I do various things with my kids and do sport and stuff during the week, but it was something that I just wanted to do for myself. So if so many women are getting this done, I wanted to ask the dermatologist, Dr Ritu Gupta, whether that's the kind of attitude she hears from her patients. A lot of women, which I think is just a, a, a sad indictment on our society, a lot of women who work in the corporate sphere worry about looking irrelevant because they're surrounded by 30-year-olds and they feel if they look tired, they'll look past their use-by date. So men, wow. men just get to look distinguished, but women start to get labelled as old. They're the main things that people worry about. Sometimes they'll have a particular issue, you know, I I hate these bags under my eyes, I hate my saggy neck, but often it's just a general, I wish I could just improve on what I've got. I just got goosebumps when you said, I don't want to look irrelevant. Mm. It's really a worry. It's so profound, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think men don't have that at all. You know, they, they get not. to have gravitas and <laughs> uh, and look very experienced. But for women, it's a whole different story, yeah, which is sad. Yeah, we're, we're not distinguished. No, we, we don't. Look, yeah, that's right, old. <laughs> so what treatments are most popular among the women who see you? I would say the most popular treatments I do are a combination of laser and broadband light treatments for brown marks, so-called liver spots, broken capillaries, 
A lot of women hate their neck and their jowls, and that does happen as we get older because there's gravity to contend with and loss of volume and loss of facial structure as well. The bones shrink, the muscles shrink. Your face all. bones shrink? It's sort of a bit like osteoporosis <sighs> of the bones. So everything heads south. And I would say the single greatest concern for my patients is they don't want to look weird. They want to look refreshed. They want people to say, gee, look well, have you mm. been on holidays? And if they choose to tell people, fine. But if they don't, that's their prerogative. Okay, tell me the difference between Botox and fillers. Botox is muscle relaxing injections. So that relaxes the muscles that cause the line. So the common areas are the frown, the forehead lines and the crow's feet. They're the most common areas. So if your wrinkles are not very deep and you have Botox, then what you'll find is even when your face is at rest, the lines will be gone. If the lines are really deep at rest, when you're not using those muscles, they'll still be softer, but they won't be completely gone. Filler is a long chain sugar molecule and what it does is fill volume loss. So the common areas are the cheeks. So as people age, you sort of lose the apple of youth and people get very long and drawn in the face. And the problem is, you know, you put weight on everywhere else, but you lose it in the areas where you want it. Why do you think anti-wrinkle injectables are so common and popular among women? Everyone hates their frown line. That worldwide is the single most popular cosmetic procedure that is done because men, even men don't like it. Men don't like it because they feel it makes them look forbidding and angry, even when they're not. And women don't like it because, you know, again, same sort of thing. I suppose the thing with muscle relaxing injections is relatively non-invasive. If it's done properly, there's not a lot of complications that occur. It's also relatively inexpensive. It's often something people will do as a, a first step in terms of cosmetic procedures. It's a way to dip their toe in the water. Yes, and I want to ask about that because mm. is it a slippery slope? Like once you've dipped your toe in with a little bit of Botox or something, does that, does that make it easier to do the next thing? Look, I think that's probably true. But if you're seeing someone who's ethical and well-trained, so hopefully any dermatologist or plastic surgeon will be, then they're going to guide you and only recommend things that are right for you. I mean, I turn patients away all the time. Do you? Yep, all for, the time. For what reason? Well, you know, I have patients saying, oh, look, you know, I think I need some filler in my lips. And I say, you have beautiful lips. If we put filler in there, you'll look like a duck. If you want filler, we could do some in your cheeks. You know, I, I steer them because the thing is often people come in, they don't know what's available. They don't know what will address their concerns. Mm. So it's my responsibility as the treating specialist to guide them. You've never had anything done? I haven't felt the need. Yeah. The one thing I've had is ultrasound skin tightening, which I had because I was just seeing a little bit of saggy baggy <laughs> under my chin and I thought I should give something a try so yeah. that I could speak to patients from my own experience. And it definitely helped and it also gave a little bit of a lift. I think when the time comes, I'm certainly not averse to it. My husband would hate the idea of me having anything, but that's the husband you want, right? That's yeah. the husband who says, darling, you look beautiful. You don't need anything. You don't want the husband who says, you really need to get something done about that. That's what I tell my patients. So, you know, whether you choose to tell your husband or your partner, of course, is entirely up to you. And a lot of my patients don't. What do you say to a client who's clearly had too much work done? Yeah, that's hard. I have patients like that. I had a GP patient like that. She asked me, she said, look, do you think I need a little bit of filler here? And do you think, oh, what, I mean, do you think maybe I need a facelift? And she'd had so much filler and her skin was stretched so tight from a previous facelift. I said, look, I think everything looks fine. I don't think you need anything. 
I think the risk is if anything, if we did anything else, that you would look unnatural. Right. I didn't make a comment on how she looked now, but I very much steered her away from doing anything else. Now, there's a proportion of those people who might decide, look, I want that. And they may go to someone else. And, of course, that's their prerogative. Mm. But I don't ever want to be treating anyone to make them look unnatural and if I don't think they need it. And I think the other issue is that people lose all sense of what what looks normal and what looks beautiful. And they think because they can have it, they'll have more. Mm. Or because they can have it, they need it. Yeah. Just on that, there's even Botox parties yeah, which are completely illegal. Are they illegal? Hmm. So if you're a woman who's thinking about getting work done, what should you consider? Should you just avoid the shopping centre surgeries? Health professionals can be taught to do these injectables, but how good are they at managing complications and how good are they at avoiding complications? We have natural symmetry with our faces, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens when you screw around with that? Well, that's where people can look very odd. Mm. So what our eye looks for in beauty is symmetry. And none of us is perfectly symmetrical. There are a few examples. Like Marilyn Monroe was very symmetrical. Elizabeth Taylor, very symmetrical. And that's why we have them as an ideal of beauty. But if you make people look unnatural, if you make their top lip bigger than their lower lip, which is not the way it should be, then people looking at them may not be able to quantify what it is, but they'll know they look weird. So in some ways your job is selling the fountain of youth. Well, in some ways. In some ways. Do you ever feel sort of ethically conflicted about your work? No, because I I hold myself to the highest ethical standard. I never recommend something that I don't believe the patient needs, regardless of whether it benefits me or not. And as I said, I turn people away or I steer them away from from things. So no. Are we all complicit in our obsession with youth? I don't know that complicit is the word I'd use. I I don't judge. I mean, most, as I said, most people who see me, it's just they want to look good for their age. They don't want to look 20 years younger. And if they did, I'd run a mile. They want to look fresher and healthier and not tired. And really, I mean, who are we to judge to say that that's the wrong thing? I get it. I don't want to judge women either. For some women, makeup or even cosmetic work is a form of self-expression and something that they do for themselves. But choices are not made in a vacuum. And we're kidding ourselves if we think they are. Look around in magazines, advertising, the fashion world, TV, everywhere. The benefits of looking young is one of the most powerful ideas we're sold. So I wanted to chat to women at the coalface of selling this idea. Women who work in the dark arts of perpetuating the cult of youth and beauty. Karen Ferry is a senior copywriter at advertising firm Leo Burnett. Linda Jeffries is a makeup artist. She's been in the industry for 20 years and has worked for magazines like Vogue, Harper's and Marie Claire. And Cecily Anna Bennett is beauty editor at Prevention magazine. Karen says if a company needs a 50-year-old for an ad, they'll most likely end up casting a 35-year-old. Society's obsession with youth is everywhere in her line of work. There is a sense of ageism, especially I work in business, where you can be so young that you're not taken seriously and then you can be of an age where you're suddenly considered redundant in your opinions. So there is this little sweet spot. Linda, you work a lot with young models. 
you get up close to them, you touch their faces. This is like a, a real intimacy that you experience in your work. Do you see cosmetic surgery on models? Yes, I'm seeing it now, seeing it more and more. Lip enhancements, fillers, Botox, they're all doing this kind of prevention thing or they're changing their looks because there's been a lot of young girls that have become very successful models because they've been totally sculpturing their faces. You're talking about one of the Jenna sisters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I thought so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does look incredible, right? She does, but it's manufactured. Mm. And I think that's what is interesting, what is happening now, is that we're seeing very young girls that are totally changing their looks. Cecily, you got Botox once. I did. Just and once. Just once. I was very conflicted about it. As a beauty editor, I get offered a lot of treatments and I'd always said no to anything involving needles. But I thought, do you know what? I'm 37. I might just give it a go just so I know. I um, I went along. I had 18 jabs in my face. Gee. Um, Where? Uh, in my forehead and around my eyes. And then the most amazing was that I had three in each side of my jaw because I'm a chronic teeth clencher. This was for a story, Cecily. So it was, I decided to do it, to write a story. And it takes about four days to set in. Every day I ran to the mirror to see if I could still frown. And for the first three days I could by and large, still frown. And by the fourth day, I looked in the mirror and my face was just relaxed. I could just raise my eyebrows enough so that no lines appeared on my face, but I could not frown. And I saw why women do love this drug so much because it is incredible what it can do. But I also think that frowning is essential when you're the mother of a very naughty (laughs) three-year-old. You know, you have to be able to express in your face. So while it lasted for about three months and I did, I really enjoyed it while it lasted, but I welcomed my lines back because I've worked hard for them. And, you know, I really think that your lines do tell your story and your experiences. And it is a shame in many ways to erase those. I hear you and I accept what you're saying. But I also feel like I have drunk the Kool-Aid that... When you start to look a certain age, you're no longer fuckable. That does happen. It's really interesting because it's society that's telling us that. Like, let's face it, a lot of men trolling on the internet, as soon as you see a woman who has an opinion and she's in her 50s and 60s, straight up being like, who let her on TV? She looks terrible. And so that's really important for brands and for media and for everyone to actually be trying to actively change the dialogue of how we talk about ageing because it is so much for women based around our sexual attraction. And that's why women of a certain age are considered as redundant. It is still a little bit of the handmaid's tale where it's like, we, even though we're brought in and there's this sense of diversity, the only reason we're still really around, according to a lot of society, is because of our ability to be mothers or to be attractive. And then after that, it's kind of like, you're not really going to be someone who can still contribute to society in any other way. And that's what we've been told. It's not true, but it's what we've been told. As women, you really do have to look further than just the skin you have to go deeper into very much what you were saying. But you've got to get into your spirit. Do you ever get that dialogue? I am not fuckable. No, I don't. I don't because I don't allow that to come in. And Maybe it's because I work in this industry that I, I understand that it is just skin deep, that there has to be more than that because the most attractive people are the people that are, are really doing something, that are in their creativity, and I think that's what makes you attractive and that's what keeps you youthful. I agree. It's super hot when you're into mm, something and you're is. good at it. It doesn't and matter how old you are. So it is hard to delineate, don't you reckon, between the difference between what you personally want or you personally believe 
and what society tells you you want. Karen, your job is kind of finessing that that fine line, isn't it? Yeah. I think there is a responsibility for advertising agencies and the media as well. It's like we're not ethically held to any standard as to how we represent people. There's no real charter, especially in terms of ageism or anything like that. I do see as like it's my job and it's a job of my colleagues to actually try and push how we talk about people instead of just putting back stereotypes, instead of being like, oh, we need a shorthand for what's a feminine mum, so let's get a lady who's in her 30s who has a nice ponytail. Of course she has long hair. You never see a mum with short hair on TV. And let's make sure that she's like a size 8 and about like 5'8 and she's probably actually 28 years old in casting. We need to sort of keep counteracting that. Often it's once you start having the conversation with clients, they don't often think about it because their focus is on their business, not on how you know what what they're putting in their ads so yeah they don't want to start the revolution on their dime no way no and if they do it's a very soft revolution (laughs) um it's like oh we support this but it's still going to look really nice a lot of the people that we've spoken to the the women that we've spoken to for this episode who've had the fillers the botox and the surgery have said i got this idea from a magazine but I'm doing it for me, right? So that that's what they're saying. This is for me. It's not about what is presented to me in the magazine. I want to feel good about myself. But can you see how there's definitely some input coming from society at large? I can, absolutely. Mm. I think it's sad, though, when there's, there's certainly a place for Botox or, or for fillers because confidence is so important when it comes to how you feel about yourself. So if having you know, injections in your face makes you feel younger or, you know, more fabulous or more confident, then, you know, that's obviously a wonderful thing because it's really important. But I think there's also a point whereby you can have so much, you get used to your face as it is, and it can become a real slippery slope. You can actually lose all perspective about what a normal human face looks like. You know, you don't want to end up looking like a cat. You want to look like a a woman. It always comes down to the underlying thing of what society tells you you should do with your face. It's like you should look like the way that you believe that you think and that what your constructive identity is, but also how what everyone else is doing and what the constructive identity for your group, for your age group is and for your gender. Um, It's hard because I think no one really ever wants to question that and to deal with a lot of the underlying feelings of like confidence issues. It's like it's a really easy fix to slap on a bit of makeup, put on a dress, put on some like spanks and be like, I look good. I feel good. It's a much harder thing to be like, I need to go to therapy and I need to deal with all these issues for like $200 a session for three months. Um, you know, it's makeup is great because it can be an armor for us, for the world. And it can, you know, it can be a massive boost. And it's like, we, it's, you know, the focus on youth is hard, but also we do have the tools to instantly make ourselves feel better. And it's like, maybe we should use that. But I think we also need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves at the same time. And we're not relying on all this stuff to just build our sense of worth. Preach! (laughs) Yes, I hear you. You're absolutely right. And can I just say, though, that sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of this. You know, I see somebody saying something and I do suss out what she's wearing and all sorts of nonsense. Her shoes are ugly. I can't listen to anything she says when she's wearing those shoes. Do you do this too, Linda? Like, do we all do this? We all do it. We all do it. We expect women to be beautiful and pretty and to dress up. And so and we all have opinions about what they're wearing and their hair and their makeup. 
etc. So we can't help ourselves. We're always commenting about what women are supposed to be looking like. It's impossible not to. It's terrible. And I I am so conflicted by that because I really think that people should be valued by who they are and what they do and, you know, the good that they bring to the world. But it is impossible. As you said, if someone's wearing an ugly jacket on TV, even if they're reading the news in the most, you know, brilliant and intelligent way possible, you still think, God, that's an ugly jacket. (laughs) (laughs) So let's flip the script. Can we make a pact? Is there some sort of way that we can actually make an advancement in this, however big or small? Is it to dress more boringly? Like what, what can we do? I don't believe in dressing boringly. And, you know, and if clearly, well, if you want to dress, you know, if you want to, however you dress, it's your right to dress how you dress. But, you know, I really just think you have to work as hard as you possibly can to feel good in yourself, whether or not you wear beige or you're wearing, you know, bright yellow. I think it's also that we have to, you know, as part of that, it's like making sure that we don't judge people for how they look. That's not important. Look, we can't change the messages we're sold, but we can wake up to the fact that there are horrendous double standards for women. For such a long time, our value was in our looks. And things are changing, but that shit still lingers. So, next time a woman is criticised for her looks and not her performance, what are you going to say? If you want to tell us what you think, our number is 1300 641 Or you can send us an email, ladies at abc.net.au. If you know someone who needs to hear this podcast, grab their phone and show them how to subscribe. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. This show, Ladies, is produced by Cassandra Steeth. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Our digital producer is Olivia Willis. And our executive producer is Laura McAuliffe. This series was created by Claudine Ryan and the manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. And don't forget me, I'm Bella, the sound engineer. The last word on ageing? Well, it probably has to go to my mum, Okay. I believe as you grow older and wiser, the natural beauty of the ageing comes with it. Don't you agree? Yeah, to a point, but I think then then you cross a, a line and you just become like an old lady. Well, you have to accept it. Do you remember when you became an old lady? I am not old yet. Where do you put the line to feel Old. When, how old am I when you say start saying I am old? I don't know, but I think I think it's when people stop treating you like you're sexy. Oh, no, I haven't heard anybody saying to me I am sexy, so I must be old. <laughs> yes. All right. Mm. I think that's that's everything we needed. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in all this way to come and talk to our, our little show, Yoshko. That's all right. My pleasure. Good talking to you, Yeah, Yumi. nice to talk to you too. You're the best. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks, Yoshko. Love you. Okay. Thank Love you. you too. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.